I'm pleased that the total sort of supports that general sort of sense of enthusiasm and, and heart and you know sort of solid heart together as we gave last week. So um, across the two venues, um, at the end of last Sunday, we'd raised thirty-six thousand pounds, which is no small sum. We're thrilled with that. We're thrilled with your generosity, God's faithfulness to us at this time. You know, it is a time, we all know, don't we, you know, what's happening to prices, what's happening to the cost of living. It's frightening, really. And yet, actually, you know, I'm so grateful that you've stepped out in faith and been part of that gift day and uh, in whatever way you could. And as you say, just that coming together was the real thrill of it for me. What we're going to do with that money, um, we're going to spend, uh, send 12,000 of that um, straight to Ukraine. Um, some of you at the prayer meeting this week saw the video for the sort of Poland-Ukraine um, effort that we're involved in as New Frontiers. You can find that on our New Frontiers Together website. If you look, I'll give you the reference if you want it. So we'll send 12,000 there. We'll put 12,000 towards the cost of the land in the Philippines for the base, for the church, and the outreach work there. We'll put 7,000 to new ground to support their overseas church planting activities. 5,000 will go to um, Alid and Lou and their ongoing regular support month by month that we give to them. And then we're going to put 2,000 towards the um, Poland effort that uh, Dorota has been telling us about linked to her church there. If you're clever, you'll work out that's slightly more than 36,000. But we know that, you know, more money comes in over the week. If, you know, you missed out last week, I'm so sorry for you about that. Um, Paris has told you how you can do it on the website. I think we've also got some of the giving envelopes. Uh, I'm looking for you, Miriam, for a nod. We have got some, I know, in your box. If you'd rather do it just by a bit of paper and all that stuff, you can get an envelope from Miriam, put it in the basket, and it'll sort of get added into the offering. So don't miss out on just the opportunity uh, to partner with the guys that we've been talking about to be part of this effort. It's real thrill, I think, to be able to do that together as a church. So thank you again. We don't take that at all lightly and um, just feel the responsibility, to be honest, of just um, handling well the finance you trust us with. So thank you for that. So Jesus is. We've been looking through our series as Jesus, the Son of God, was where we started. The one who is one with God God incarnate revealing God to us. We looked at Jesus, the forgiver, who dealt with our sin, who removed that barrier of separation from God. We've looked at Jesus, the powerful one, the creator, the sustainer of all things. And we've looked at Jesus, the Christ, who himself became the offering for sin. And then last week we looked at Jesus, the welcomer, the one with arms open wide to draw us to himself. So it's been good to see these different aspects of who Jesus is, what he does. But just today, I just wanted to focus just on the fact that Jesus is near to us. Near to us in every situation, every season of life. This is not a God far away, remote, and uninterested. This is a God who come close. And although he's the God of the universe, created all things, actually his heart is for relationship with each one of us, with you, with me. 
And that's in complete contrast to so many of the concepts of God that the world presents to us sometimes. I've got one or two of my holiday photos here. I'm sorry about that. Um, but I think it just illustrates the point that, you know, can you see this? Yeah, this is kind of a Hindu kind of a statue in Bihar. And you can see how big this thing is, you know, and the people come here with their offerings and kind of try and do the right thing by this statue. But this is not a God that you can have a relationship with. This is a God kind of remote and lofty. This is, again, one of the Hindu temples, and they call this a Shiva, Shiva Lingam, I think. And again, you know, they bring their offerings, they bring their sacrifices, they give bananas and food and all sorts of things to this lump of rock, really. And it's not a God of relationship. This is in uh, Kathmandu, a Buddhist stupa here, and you can climb up and you sort of walk round that dome thing. You have to walk the right way, and as you do, you spin these prayer wheels, and, you know, again, supposedly, you know, that is how you communicate with God. It's not a God of relationship. Sometimes it's about, yeah, next slide, Jenny. So in, would some people would say to get to God, you've got to learn a lot. You know, you've got to be able to recite the Quran out off by heart. Actually, God requires none of that of us. God actually is the one who reached out to us. He's not a God of ritual and not a God that we have to do as much as we can to please him. He's a God who in Jeremiah 31, 3 says, I've loved you with an everlasting love. I've drawn you with unfailing kindness. Beautiful, isn't it? I've drawn you with unfailing kindness. In John 15, Jesus said, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you my friends. For everything that I've learned from my father, I've made known to you. Friends of God, you know that. Many of you experience that. But what a beautiful thing that God reaches out to us in that way. One of my favorite sort of stories, really, is, I guess, the parable of the, uh, the prodigal son. You know how it was. He took his inheritance. He went off into a distant country, squandered it, lived the high life until it all came crashing down. And finally, it says, he came to his senses, came back to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion, ran and embraced him. And kissed him. What a beautiful picture again. That son who'd been so wayward, gone so much off in his own way, yet God welcomes him back. The father welcomes him back. And, you know, the father, as we know, is one of the pictures of God. Not everyone's experience of earthly fathers is great. I know that. And in many ways, all fathers, certainly if they're anything like me, are flawed. But a good father's love for his children is a beautiful thing. It's an empowering and enabling thing. I remember my son Richard, when he was small, he was pretty devoted to his dad, I'd have to say. And, um, you know, everything was about daddy and what daddy did. And, um, you know, I used to know dad went off to work and 
worked, and he saw these pictures of the Thames Barrier one time in school, which is something I worked on. My daddy built that. My daddy built that, you know. Well, I did have a little bit of help, I have to say, but, you know, he was so thrilled. You know, yeah, my dad was involved in that. In, in the house, it was a little bit odd. He could never quite work out why everybody had their own bedroom except mummy. She had to share daddy's bedroom, you know. It just didn't seem quite right to him that everybody else had their own bedroom. And yet, you know, in daddy's room, he had to put up with mummy coming into it as well. So, you know, that kind of relationship with a father. And, and you know, I'm not sure God worries about that sort of thing. But, you know, God is that perfect father, isn't he? Romans 8.15 tells us we receive the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we're children God. And it's amazing, isn't it? We hold that tension that actually the God we come to is also the God of the universe. The one who looks for relationship with us is that all-powerful one, the holy one, the one who is altogether good. And we know, don't we, that because God is holy, the only way we come into that relationship is having our sins dealt with, being made clean, making ourselves pure as we take the sacrifice of Jesus and make it personal for us. Jesus died that we might come close to God, that we might know this relationship. What is John 3.16? So well known, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This is stuff you know, but I I want to remind you afresh about just that God who wants relationship with each one of us. And it's not about us trying hard. We know that, don't we? I hope we do. That actually, you know, we can never do enough to please God. We can never do enough good things. We can never please him in that way. We just come with open arms pleading the blood of Jesus. This is grace. This is the generous favor of God poured out upon us. We're never good enough. Don't ever take that upon yourself. Oh, God doesn't. God's fed up with me. He do, I don't deserve this. None of us deserves anything from God. We can't earn it. No, it's about his goodness poured out for each one of us. Do we mess up? Do I mess up? Do I do things wrong? Do you do things wrong? Inevitably. But does it stop God reaching out and loving us? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And of course, you know it also gets better than this. Just before Jesus was going to be killed, what did he say? He comforted the disciples by saying he wasn't going to be with them, but he would send the Holy Spirit to dwell inside each of them. And that's the promise, isn't it? It's the promise for us that God gives his Holy Spirit to strengthen us, to encourage us, to comfort us, to walk with us in everything that comes our way. He's not only near, he comes and dwells inside you. To know Jesus near is to know the Holy Spirit leading, guiding, whispering in our ear in every circumstance of life. 
and Ian said we were going to have some testimonies today. And what I did was I just sort of slightly randomly, but I hope a little bit God-inspired, picked a few people that I thought would just be able to help us just see how in different situations they've known God near. They've proved God, if you like. You know, and they're going to get them to tell their stories in a little bit. And I hope it will be an encouragement. I hope it will be a strength. Maybe you're going through tough times. Maybe God feels a bit far away. Maybe you think this relationship of mine could do with a little bit of refreshing. Maybe I just need to put more effort into it. What I want you to do is just listen and just be inspired as people share how God has been involved in different circumstances of life. We've already heard some today. Michelle, I thought, was beautiful, just uh, how she's known God with her in those circumstances. John is going to come and tell us a little bit about what it's like to know God with him. Oh, there you are, John. Yeah, in his working life. Come, John, I won't steal your thunder by telling them about you, but I've picked a few people you maybe not know so much, so you'll have some real insights into um, different people from amongst us. I've only given them three minutes each, so I'm sorry about that. We're going to have the whole of John's life in three minutes, but uh, that's his challenge. He looks the same as well. Sorry? Yes, I have. I've got four and a half minutes. I will have to speak quicker. Right. Um, yes. Oh, blimey. Steve has asked me to share a, a short testimony about Jesus being near in my business life. Um, I've worked in the construction industry since 1971, seems a long time ago, and as a carpentry contractor for over 30 years, uh, I was part of an official business partnership from 1989 to 2008, uh, when my, bis my partner and friend sadly died from cancer. We'd had grown from being a two-man band to having a workforce of uh, up to 30 carpenters and apprentices when we took on major projects. Uh, January 2008 was a very difficult time for me as I was grieving the death uh, of my partner and also my dad in 2009. I was also dealing with the beginning of a major recession in the construction industry. Between January 2008 and up to 2012, a succession of companies I was trading with went into liquidation, owing the business around 140,000 and leaving me with large debts. I also had to lay off most of my staff as the work was no longer available and still had to pay my suppliers for materials I had provided. Uh, from my early years as a Christian, I would try to prioritize spending time in the presence of God in worship and prayer before I started my working day, and keeping close to Jesus and bringing all my prayers and petitions to him helped me through my daily struggles as I was facing well, managing cash flow and debt on a severely depleted working capital. Uh, my situation started to improve when I was invited to tender for a major national building company uh, for the carpentry package at the new Bexhill High School. I'm sure God was in this because I found out some years later that the company could not decide on who to award the contract to, so it decided on the toss of a coin, uh, which was very beneficial for me, I have to say. Uh, this proved to be a turning point in my business life, although the payment terms were quite lengthy 
and the health and safety management was on a different level to what I've been used to with smaller companies. Uh, at, that, at this point, I started to rebuild my business and increase my staff levels. Uh, I continued working with the same company and was awarded contracts for local academies and schools, a shopping centre and some large hospital contracts, which continued for several years. I finally paid off all my debts and had a much healthier balance sheet, much to the surprise of my accountant, who at one stage suggested I roll over and call it a day. Thankfully, I trusted God in these uncertain times and not the world's view of my situation. These were, uh, in all honesty, very dark times for me. Uh, and there, was only, there were many times that I only just had enough money to pay my wages, bills, and VAT liabilities. Uh, I was to face one more major challenge, which start when we started a contract to upgrade fire doors in a live hospital environment, spread over 12 floors, starting in October 2020. I had a large workforce of carpenters and supervisors and a tight program to meet. Unfortunately, COVID admissions began to rise in the hospital and many areas were suddenly out of bounds to work in. Some of my staff became quite nervous working in the hospital and wanted to quit. Uh, our program for the work was severely disrupted and we were often making last minute daily changes due to the restrictions imposed. Although we were no longer able to work methodically through the building, we were still expected to deliver the project on time, which put me under a lot of pressure. Uh, during this period, I found great comfort in praying through the Psalms and spending time worshipping and being in God's presence, which strengthened me and helped me through difficult days and online meetings. Verses from Psalm 34 were particularly helpful for me, and the worship songs which says, when I see you, I find strength to face the day. In your presence, all my fears are washed away, became uh, a real reality for me. Um, I couldn't have got through these times without the Holy Spirit's presence and God's word to comfort me. Thankfully, by the contract completion date, we completed as many doors as we've been able to do due to the COVID restrictions, and I was personally thanked by the person who put the most pressure on me. And I can honestly say that I sought the Lord. Sorry. And he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. I want to thank you, Lord. One little bit more. I have now retired from the industry and look back and thank God for his faithfulness and love through the trials and more joyful seasons of my business life. Thank you, John. Thanks for the re reality of, uh, of that guy. Oh, sorry, I, Liz, not you next. Guy next, you're next. Um, so you can hear, hear the reality, can't you, of John's walk with God through some really difficult times there. Thank you, John, so much for sharing that. Um, yeah, it's also Gay's testimony. Just a short poem to begin with. 
I'm sharing about how God comforted me when I lost my husband. Have you ever heard the silence in a crowded room? Have you ever heard the silence in loneliness and gloom? Like a shadow on a summer's day when joy then seems to hide. Let me introduce you to a friend of mine who will never leave your side. He sees, he hears and answers prayer and will still be there tomorrow. A friend who will stay with you through darkness, death and sorrow. God promised he'd be with me as my God and yet my friend. I know he'll never leave me and my saddened heart he'll mend. I've been asked to testify how I felt the Lord near me and comfort me during the time of my husband's death. I certainly can testify of the Lord's goodness at every turn, then and every day since. I believe the Lord carried me through the grief, the grief process of the next two years, like the little poem, Footprints in the Sand. Of course, I experienced waves of great loneliness, especially that first Sunday. I walked in and out of church on my own and then home to an empty house on my own. What do I do now? I asked the Lord. And it was my son's voice I heard in my head say, Mum, this is how it is. And I spoke to the Lord saying, Yes, Lord, this is how it is. I cannot change it and I do not like it. Please help me. I remember then that three weeks previously, the words from Isaiah 54 that had jumped out at me, for your maker is your husband, the Lord of hosts is his name. His word also promises to comfort those who mourn. I'd no idea when he gave me that word that in three weeks time, I would be a widow. The first thing I'd like to encourage you all to do, as soon as you give your hearts to Jesus, get into the word and let the word get into you. The word doesn't save you. Jesus saves you. But I had an old lady in our church that used to encourage me to um, learn the word as well as breathe it. She was an old missionary lady. God is not a God who can lie, and his word is a passport, a passport and a daily plan for our walk through this life into the kingdom of heaven. Fifty years ago, in a time of postnatal depression, a Avon lady knocked at my door and shared Jesus with me. I went to bed that night and said to God, I don't know whether you're real, Lord, but I'll give you a try. I know I'm a sinner. Please forgive me and come into my heart. You know, when my kids were small, they'd stand on the stairs, and to me or Fred, without saying a word, they'd suddenly jump in faith, believing that we would catch them. Well, I did that that night, and Jesus caught me and my prayer, and nothing around me changed, but I did. <laughs> Amazing. I've lost, me, I've lost me place. I began to read the Bible, and I read in Timothy, and it said, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. The way I see it is, God's Bible is either true or it isn't. And I found it to be true. I often don't understand it, and quite often I don't like it. <laughs> 
like this time with Fred, God proved himself to me over again and again in 50 years of marriage. Like many others, we shared loss, injustice, disillusionment, sorrow, mostly disappointment in myself. But when you belong to him, nothing is wasted, it seems. Truly, he works all things together for good. I want to share with you that whatever loss you face, whether it's small or large, life-changing or just a painful trial, God will work it for you too. He will never you leave you. He will always keep his promises to you, not because you're good, not because I'm good, but because he is good. <laughs> He's such a wonderful God. After Fred died, it was the smallest things I missed, the things you share and take for granted, a corny joke, his presence, his sense of humor and strength. So now I look to Jesus to meet all those needs. But God is not a replacement. He is and always has been my everything, my provider, my friend, and all that life throws at you. He gives me the strength to carry on. And when a year later I was evicted from my home, God promised and found me a home. He supplied my every need. Sometimes God has provided a friendly face or a timely visit from a family member. When I eventually moved, some ladies of the Lord provided me with a freezer. Other times there's been an unexpected bunch of flowers or a kindness or an uplifting word on the radio. And one time it was a robin singing at three o'clock in the morning. God has indeed been my comfort and been everything I have needed and even wanted. I am so blessed indeed. When doubts and fear creep up and whisper in my ear, and they do, I remind myself, then God, of what his word says. I remind myself out loud again and again and again of what his word says. And Jesus watches over his word to perform it. I will never be able to thank and praise him enough. And what he's done for me, he will do for you. So I encourage you, you can't get saved just by repeating, I'm, or look in the mirror, you can't get thin, I'm thin, I'm thin, I'm thin. No, but God's word is like a two-edged sword. It changes us, it changes the circumstances around us sometimes. So I encourage you to read God's love letter again and again until you really believe it. As I trust him, Jesus changed my life. I encourage you today to jump in faith like a child and to believe his word and he will catch you too. Liz, it's your turn. Liz is a bit nervous, I think, but uh, I know she's got a test me to bring. You okay? Good morning, all. Um, I've been asked to speak about God's, the God of family, the God of family and seasons of life. Um, for me, before I became a born-again Christian, um, my work and my children defined me. Without them, I was nothing. Um, I was a Catholic, and as long as you go to church every Sunday, you're good. You can do whatever you want, and you're good as long as you rock, you rock up. And I knew there was something missing. Um, at work, I was incredibly ambitious. Um, every time I got a promotion, I never 
celebrated it. I was always looking for something else because there was always something missing. Um, six months after becoming a born-again Christian, I became very ill um, and wasn't able to work. And in that time, rather than pitying myself because we were in a very good church that was Bible-based, I gleaned on God, I read his word, I listened to preachers, he just engulfed everything as I took morphine. He was my strength. He was literally my strength. Um, and I know that God didn't make me ill, but he used that time to make me a different person. And I'm incredibly grateful for it because he took me to a new season. Um, my work kept my job open for three years. I wasn't able to go back. But in that time, I was able to volunteer at the church. I was able to spend more time at home with people. I was able to find me. Um, six years after becoming ill, God um, sent a preacher that came from New Zealand, actually, and I was, I was healed um, by him praying for me, which was a joy. Um, my children, as I said, they defined me. Um, when Sinead left home, I used to go into mourning. I was like a big baby. I would lay the table and burst into tears because she wasn't there anymore. Um, and where I've tried to always be there for my children and provide for their every need and protect them from everything, I'm not God. So I can't do everything for them. Um, and in 2020, God let me know I had to let them go so that they could see that he is their provider. He is their protector, not me. I'm just a vessel. So there are times when it's difficult and I have to bite my tongue, but I had to let them go. And in that, I can with joy say Sinead's back in church. She's got our children, our grandchildren back in church. She's got this wonderful relationship with God and she leans on him completely. Um, and I believe that Justine and Daniel aren't too far behind her. So that is a real joy. And then um, we did our house up um, in 2018. It was my dream house. Everything I wanted was in this house. Um, and Martin said, you know, in, in four or five years, we're going to move. And in my heart, I said, I'm never leaving this house. Um, and in February um, 2020, I heard God say, will you give me the house? Of course, the answer is yes, it's not mine, it's his. Um, and he put a desire in me to not want a family holiday home by the sea, but to live by the sea. Um, and during COVID and lockdowns, God provided a way for us to sell our house, find a house here and move down here in December 2020. Um, and he's given us a house, or he's given us an apartment that we never thought we could have. He's blessed us with this church. He's blessed us with new people in our lives. And he's given us a desire for this business that I never, ever thought I would be able to do. So he's been faithful um, at the beginning of my journey with him, my verse was, I live by faith, not by sight. And right throughout, it's God is my provider. God wants me to prosper and be in good health, even as my soul prospers. And he truly has made my soul prosper. He has provided our every need. There are times when you would look at your bank account and think, how? But he did it, and he always will. So... My encouragement is believe him because the enemy will try to try throw discord in your family. He will try to make you think that you can't live on what you've got. And it's a lie because he gives you everything that you need. 
never mind how little it may seem in his hands, it will work. Super, Liz. Thank you so much. Um, we're going to not show the video, I don't think, Jenny. I don't think we've got time for that. So we'll have David. David's Jesus is near in, uh, well, I'll let you tell you what he's going to. Thank you very much. It's lovely to see you all. I've got the bit on age. I don't know why, but I've got the bit on age. And uh, uh, I've got some information for you. Age creeps up on you. Uh, you've already aged nearly an hour since you've been here. Uh, but age will creep up on you. I don't know whether you've had the, exam uh, the, the, the experience of suddenly catching yourself, sight of yourself in a mirror, and you think, who's that old fool? And you suddenly realise that it's you. Um, you, you, you. You find wrinkles that you have never had before and now have taken up permanent residence and invited all their friends along as well. Um, and it can, if you haven't had that experience, it's coming. It's coming. But although our bodies age, here's the amazing thing. I won't go around the room and do it, but actually our minds don't. And so if you look at me, a fine example of an 80-year-old, actually I'm still 35 inside, Young and fit and vibrant, except I get tired a lot. But do you not find that? How many of you older people, uh, how many of you, how many of you feel young at heart? You do, don't you? Even Steve. <laughs> eh? No, no, I wouldn't say that. No, no. He looks old, but he's, he's, he's not young. Our faces, I'm only invited up once, you understand. Our faces, our wrinkles, I'm already regretting it now, show that we've lived through and come through a whole host of experiences. Would you agree with that? No matter how old you are, you've come through a whole range of experiences. And more to the point, We've come through the other side. We know that our God reigns and is in control as we have seen in various examples here. Experience and wisdom has equipped us older ones with ability to share and equip the next generation. If you've ever wondered what your role is in life, in this church, you may not be able to play a guitar or sing or lead a Bible study, but actually God has put you exactly where he wants you to use your age and your experience and your ability to share with others. If you're like me, getting on, getting old, actually my role in this church is to help equip the next generation coming along behind. Whether it's babysitting, <coughs> whether it's just sharing thoughts, we're here to give 
and share what God has done for us with others. Take up the challenge. Good. Thank you, um, David. Good. Well, I hope you found it helpful to hear those kind of insights into different situations in life. I don't know, you know, whether we can draw common threads, but, you know, you heard people's faith, didn't you, coming through in difficult financial times, you know, in times when the kids are not doing what you would like them to do, you know, in getting older, you know, in each of these seasons of life, God's walks with us. But, and I hope, I hope it challenges us. I hope it challenges us in relation to our own walks with Jesus. We're going to be taking bread and wine in a moment. And that's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to say to God, you know, actually, I want to commit again to this relationship with you. Gay, reciting the verses that God has put on her heart, things that she's read over and over and over again, and God has emphasized to her. Others too, John in his building work, you know, using scripture to, uh, to counter the lies of the devil when he's feeling rough, when he's feeling difficult, when he's feeling afraid. Actually, the word strengthens us. And so it's time maybe just to commit again to say, no, Jesus, I'm giving myself afresh to you. I'm putting my effort, my time into pursuing you, into knowing you better. Maybe for some of us, actually, it's a little bit far away, this experience of God. Maybe God, you've never experienced God in this relationship way. And actually today is the day to say, Jesus, won't you come into my life? Won't you make that relationship with Father God? Lord, that these people have used and talked about as part of their life. Lord, I want that for myself. So I'm going to hand back to Ian and Paris. Or I'm going to hand back to Paris, I think. Um, I guess we're probably going to sing again. And... Um, we're going to have bread and wine uh, as we get towards the end. But thank you so much for each of you guys. Why don't you just give them one more clap. Just say thank you for sharing so honestly their lives with us. Yeah, if I could just invite the band.